All right, welcome back to the Ugly Pike Podcast, 2020 in the books, Frank. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people are happy about that. Uh, but today, let's uh, let's go over some of the great things we discussed in in this year, and and you know, sitting at home and having a lot of time on our hands, we were able to get some really good guests and focus on some uh, or get some really good discussions out there that I think really valuable to our listeners. And I'm I'm excited to go through a few of the highlights. Um, what do you think? Yeah, I I am too. I mean, first of all, I want to start off by saying, go f yourself, 2020. Uh, <laughs> I think everybody's with us on that. Uh, 2020 was a, a year that pulled me in a couple different directions. Obviously, not happy about the state of uh, affairs of society. Um, but uh, we had a tremendous year on the water. <laughs> uh, on the flip side, met a lot of good new friends, good fishing partners. And uh, a lot of fish in the boat. And, of course, the show had a banner year. We had our 100,000th uh, unique download this year, which we'll touch on a little later. Um, and we had some amazing guests. Like, this was a year like no other for this podcast. It's only our third year. But, um, I mean, yeah, like I say, push and pulled us in a little different uh, directions because 2020 was awful. But 2020 for Ugly Pike and for musky fishing was pretty damn good. I think um... – you know, for you, for you uh, specifically, you had you had a really good year compared to like some of the suffering you had the year before. This was a great year for you. I think today we can even touch on a bit of the uh, Saint Lawrence, uh, St. Lawrence uh, kind of uh, expeditions you were on, and you, you know, you you I learned a lot from your 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 techniques that you were talking about when trolling and stuff. So let's let's touch on that as well because I think you really grew as an angler or musky your your, your musky knowledge really really increased this year. Do you agree or not? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I hit the St. Lawrence. Uh, I hit uh, Ottawa waters. Uh, we fished locally. You know, I, I, I fished in a lot of different areas this year. And so that really added to um, my development went through the roof this year, you know, thanks to a lot of our guests and input. Thanks to guys like Alex Bhutan and some other people, too, that were just fantastic to me and sharing their waters and their ideas. And um yeah, it's, I mean, it's tough because I think it takes a lot for an angler to say, you know, come on my boat or come over to my waters. And, um, you know, especially me, right? Like I'm not, it's different now for us, Chris, you and I, because we're, we're, we're media now, whether we, we believe it or not. I mean, we're, we're fishing media and, you know, to potentially take an angler to your spots or to your waters is, especially for musky fishing can be, sort of a strange thing and a tough thing to do. So it's uh, it's one of those things about the community that continues to really make me happy that um, people are still reaching out to us and including us and uh, being nice to us and being great to us. And so in return, you know, we don't come on the show and say, hey, this this spot over here and blah, 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 we got this fish. You know, that's, that's obviously not in, in good taste. But um, my education was boosted tremendously this year and yeah i learned an awful lot about trolling uh but i think maybe my nicest fish came casting i, I don't know i got i got two fish that were kind of almost like twins this year but um putting 50s in the boat this year for me was not uh was not much of an issue like in past years so uh it was really it was really a special year and um didn't want it to end <laughs> Well, let's let's just let's just get into it then. I mean, we're talking about you know you put a lot of time on the water, uh, more than more than I did, that's for sure. And uh, talk about a guy like Doug Wagner, one of our first guests of 2020, 
who puts who put 250 days on the water in a year. So that's the kind of experience we were dealing with when we talked to him, and he really uh, helped us understand uh, tactics for targeting muskie in Green Bay, uh, Lake Winnie. And uh, I think you know people need to go back and listen to that episode, uh, local anglers in that area, because he really gives gives a lot of tips. And uh, I also really liked how he he talked about you know look if you're not messing up you're you're not a musky angler you need to you need to put time on the water you need to you need to go out there you need to try things you need to you need to mess up you need to lose those fish because that's all part of it and that's how you learn and you know mm-hmm. obviously the whole don't don't get discouraged you know just keep your your confidence levels high but I think it was a great discussion and uh, I learned a lot because I've never fished those waters and uh, you know talk to a guy like that and you you, you know after the episode you you put it on your list of, of a place you want to go fish. I, muskie fishing is not for the weak-willed. Uh, you know, you just said it five seconds ago. You said, you know, after a really rough, like I had a really rough season last season, you know. Um, and even you and I and, and some of our recent trips, Eagle Lake and Sewell, you know, you're the one who's catching all the fish by and large. And I'm, I'm not complaining. Don't get me wrong. We, I had more fun on those trips and I have more fun on those trips than I do you know, doing anything else, you know, even if I'm just netting your fish, <laughs> but, um, you know, it's, it, it, I never felt discouraged for one second and I never felt like my moment wasn't going to come for one second. And that's, you know, like Doug says, you know, don't give up and, and you got to take it on the chin sometimes as a musk angler, um, in jujitsu. And, you know, we'll talk about this later with, the, with, with Josh's episode, but like, I, you're used to just losing and losing and losing. And it's just, you know, that's what defeats a lot of people in jiu-jitsu and the hobby. Defeats, you know, the, the attrition rate with that hobby is insane. And, and the the constant losing is is what makes, you know, you, you, you go away. But then you look at the, the brown and the black belts and it's like keeping everything going during that is really what what being a brown or a black belt is all about because that's you've built that character. You have that that reference. You have that perspective. You have you know, you, you have the, the luxury of these lessons learned that have, that have made you a wise warrior. And it's, you know, we talk about it all the time. It's the same in, in musky fishing. So if you can't push through those lows, just like we did at Sewell that one time, if you don't push through those, those lows, you're never going to get to the highs. And that's what makes it so special. And Doug knows it. Doug's, Doug's a beast on the water. He's, he's probably one of the best anglers in the world for musky right now. And, and I think everybody knows it. Yeah, and he's willing to share that knowledge because uh, if you remember, we discussed the uh, uh, what is it, week in the woods or or something like that, where he he has a seminar for seven days in Lake of the Woods. You're basically breaking down every tactic and and uh, weapon you need to to catch musky. You're you're there. You're submerged with other anglers and you're around experts and you're just basically learning all day, all night. Uh, you fish all day, then you come back and you you know you gather the data and you, and you sit down together and you and you share everything and just to help each other uh, get get better, get more knowledge, and and you come out on the other end probably uh, you know exponentially uh, a better angler. And I commend people like that who are willing to take the time to uh, uh, you know educate and and uh, and you know kind of inject their their knowledge and experience into into someone else's uh, angling career. So. That's a great opportunity people should take advantage of if they're looking to do like a crash course and, and really up their game. Uh, that sounded like a great, great thing he had going. Yeah, well, I think you nailed it. I mean, 
in hunting, they say, you know, you're not going to see that deer from your couch. You got to get out into the stand. You got to get out into the blind. And, you know, and for muskie hunting as well, you know, you got to get off your ass and, and go to that fishing camp that, that those seminars that a guy like Doug is putting on or like, you know, like even the stuff that you and I do, tra- you know, traveling to Eagle Lake, for example, and, and, and hitting up a place like Andy Myers Lodge. Um, and, and we're all super tired right after a day of, of grinding it out and you have your dinner and you're just sitting there and you're like, oh, you're, you're struggling just, just to have a drink after dinner. Um, but then, you know, one of their guides will put a, a mini seminar on, you know, at the lodge and that's what they do there. And I mean, maybe not going for a week, but I, I remember toughing it out one night. I don't even, I'm not sure if you were with me that year, but you know, um, one of their guides did a, uh, a, a small seminar after dinner. And, and I mean, I basically learned how to figure eight at that little small seminar. So I, I toughed through, I, I, I stayed up, I stayed awake. I made sure I was at that seminar and I learned something invaluable about the figure eights. And I mean, I know <laughs> that technique has produced fish, it produced fish when we were on Sewell. I don't know if you remember, but I think you brought in a fish or Ben brought in a fish that bolted. I watched the direction it went. I casted it came right in on my lure and then I, I hooked it on a, on a deep figure eight, but um, doing the tactics that I learned. So I, the moral of the story is like, you got to be a sponge and you, you have to seek out the knowledge and you got to do it. Cause it's those guys sitting in those chairs are going to be the ones with fish in the net. Exactly. You know, it's and mindset, I, you know, right? I mean, it's, it's mindset. I mean, take, 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 uh, you know, to the listeners out there, take as much information from people who know more than you whenever you can. I think that's a lesson, you know, you should live by. Um, Pete Bowman, 35 years experience, Fishing Hall of Fame. He he talked about what a confidence boost it was for him to go fish with a guy like John Anderson, who's been fishing muskie on the waters for 30 years. So you're talking about a guy who has 30, 40 years experience, Fishing Hall of Fame, and he thinks he's going to be better uh, and has more, you know, he, his his boost is his confidence boost is 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 rising because he knows he's going to be in a in a boat with someone who knows the waters, um, you know, w- way more than he does. And and how to approach the day of fishing, it's he's going to learn so much from this guy. So you're talking, you know, I don't know, I don't know how else to explain it. When a guy like that is telling you, hmm. go with the guide, go with the guy with experience. So you know, you're going to cut your your learning curve in half on those waters. If you have the opportunity to do that, you know, do it. And if it costs you a few bucks, it's worth it. We've been, we've been, you know, uh, lecturing this issue for the last three years, you know, put, put, it's like an investment, put, put a couple hundred bucks into the guide because, uh, you, you, you know, it's, it's going to pay off, um, in the end. And so, you know, when I, when I'm listening to Pete, you know, t- talk about how he, he's, he's doing that with John, it just, you know, it re- reinforces that every time. The Pete, the Pete Bowman episode was one of the, my favorites that we've ever done because I think, I think when when newer musky anglers want to listen to a show, I point them to that show because you know, like you say, Pete is a is a Canadian institution for angling, but he's not really a Canadian institution for musky angling. By his own admission, he doesn't go out and target musky all the time uh, because you know he's a multi species angler, and uh, so I mean that that show offers a really great perspective on someone who's who's looking to get into the uh, the hobby. But getting back to the John Anderson thing. Um, I was on a boat with John just a few weeks ago, last uh, last week of the season, and uh, 
there, there's really something about a guy like that, the energy that he generates when he gets into the boat with you. Um, it, it, you feel unstoppable and, um, it, I can't explain it. He's, uh, he, he's, a, he's a fabulous, wonderful person. We have a, a, a good personal relationship now, but even when we didn't really know each other, you know, when he's on the boat, you just, just the things he say, you, you just, you turn into a sponge because you just want to absorb the knowledge. And, uh, of course he's a, he's a generous and, uh, and fun person to be around. So having him in the boat is, um, is a learning experience. And, and like you say, like positive musky attitude times a hundred when he's in the boat. And, and that's, that's crucial. I was really, really happy. Um, going to toot my own horn here. Uh, I, I, I got, someone on a fish trolling when I was navigating and driving the boat for the first time. Cause Chris, you and I are not historically are not trollers. And, uh, although I, I I'm growing to really enjoy it, but I, I'm not usually the guy driving the boat. It wasn't even my boat, but I was this time. Uh, and I put John on a monster fish and, uh, it felt really, it felt really good to put a guy like that on a big fish. So. Yeah, we're going to get into that or we can talk about it now. The whole, uh, boat control. I think Jim Sarek talked about it. Actually, everybody touched on it uh, this yeah. year that how important boat control is and, and understanding uh, and navigating the boat. And that just also speaks to, you know, when you're catching a muskie, uh, you're not catching it alone when you're, you know, you can obviously you can be in the boat alone, but then, you know, you're navigating the boat, you're, you're, you're managing the rod, you're, you're, you're doing everything by yourself. You know, it's a hell of a lot of work, but when you got a guy, um, uh, navigating the boat, watching the charts, uh, uh, watching your lines, uh, 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 um, following the, 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 the GPS marks and you're out there and you get hooked on a fish, he or she is just as much responsible for that fish as you are. So it's such a team effort. And I, that's something I learned. And, and, and then not to mention landing the fish is another whole, whole dimension, but uh, that's something I really learned uh, this year about the trolling aspect is, you know, the whole the whole equation and the whole mathematics behind it and studying and just driving that boat that just doing that is, is giving the person who who is handling the rods a, a better chance to to catch those fish. So it's a team effort. And, you, you know, if it wasn't, you wouldn't have felt that when you when you got John that fish. Right. You wouldn't have felt that joy. Oh, yeah. Hey, wait a minute. I just I just, you know, navigated that boat to, to, for him to land a 50 inch fish or whatever it was. And, you know, you feel proud because you actually, you were working there. It wasn't like you were just staring at the sky, right? And you, you were, you were working, you were focused, you were, you were helping him uh, give, give him the best opportunity to catch that fish. Yeah, it's, it's funny. Yeah, it was a 50 inch class fish. Uh, the board we use only has three marks, 50, 55 and 60. <laughs> so it was over, uh, we, we know it was a 50 class inch fish. We don't exactly know what it was. We don't really care. Um, but like to your point, um, when like not only will it contribute to success, but navigating the boat properly will con- conti- will contribute to the quality of your time on the water. And I'll explain, especially in the cold water. Like we fished late season, uh, we had some late season adventures this year where we were fishing in snowstorms and ice storms. It was nuts, um, and. Y- I talk about dissecting the water column. Like I have notes, physical notes on different baits and what their depths are at different uh, lineouts and different speeds. And I live by those now because if you drop a bit, you know, you have to ride a line on, on a, you know, on an elevation change, on a structure change, you have to be precise. And if you're, 
six inches a foot lower, especially if you're targeting bottom. And sometimes when you're not finding fish and you're not getting fish to bite, you need to be smashing bottom. You need to be like right off the bottom. And so if you are are off course, uh, uh, even a tiny amount, and there's a two foot elevation change, well, then your bait is either too high or it's grabbing weeds and all sorts of crap. So then you're bringing your rod, rods up every 10 seconds and then you're hating yourself. And then, you know, then it's you're fouling and it's it's not fun and it's not conducive to success. So, you know, you got to you got to ride the wire as, as a boat operator if you're going to play the trolling game. Um, and I would submit too that late season, although some anglers don't, but late season in Ontario, it's a heck of a lot easier to troll than it is to cast when everything starts freezing up on your, on your gear. No, no doubt. Uh, I mean, I've learned that from the people I spoke to that most of the time they, they, they troll because it's just uh, uh, the right conditions for trolling. Uh, most people on, on, a, on a summer day are going, are going to try to cast uh, and maybe troll for break, for break time or, um, you know, generally speaking here, I mean, some people just troll all the time, but you know, the, some of the experts we spoke to uh, tend to move to the trolling when the weather conditions dictate. And, you know, you just you just physically can't cast when it's, you know, near zero and, you know, ice pellets slapping you in the face and your hands are freezing. You're going to get frostbite and all that stuff. So, you, you know, but it is what it is. Uh, you still can catch that allows you to extend the fishing season and, and catch monster fish uh, and cover tons of water. So, um, yeah, I haven't been in that uh, late, late. Uh, fall with you yet or early early uh, early winter uh, hopefully next year we're, we're together on that one mm-hmm. yeah yeah and I think too it's important too as an exploratory tool when you're doing that late season trolling you're more apt to cover a lot more water and and discover a little more about your your environment so it's got some it's got some value outside of just trolling for the sake of trolling which in and of itself in the fall is a great tactic to get big fish in the boat and a lot of us do it so all right well, let's, talk, let's talk a bit about larry because I, I i was blown away with that episode um larry for me was like walking into a university lecture hall and there's this like old professor who is just standing there and you know from the minute he starts to the minute he stops you're just like this guy clear, clearly does this for a living um, and he just gave us kind of a history lesson on uh, musky angling and just all sorts of anecdotal story. Like I just thought it was a great episode and a great discussion, uh, general, general knowledge about musky fishing and, and uh, controversies behind uh, uh, world, you know, uh, world records and, and different strains of musky. He, he went through a lot, but just listening to the guy talk, you could just, you know, experience just comes out of in the tone of his voice. <laughs> yeah so right uh, Larry, i think yeah chris is talking about larry ramsell and uh larry is a musky institution in, in and of himself in that you know that episode was such a it was so unique be, just because like what you say we 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 got into really cool topics that virtually no other angler is going to talk in detail about because they just weren't around fishing 50 years ago yeah and uh I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed our time with Larry, and I would love to get him back on the show, um, you know, maybe this year. Uh, I, I'm excited about this year. Maybe we can look down the path a little later on in this episode, but we've got some amazing guests lined up and some some really cool things lined up, and we'll, we'll talk about that a little later on. But, All right. Yeah, well, what else, Larry, who else do you want to hit on here? Because... What's that? Okay. 
no, yeah. Um, let me see here. How about yeah? I mean, do we let's talk about Josh because uh, Josh Josh Ketry was also one of my favorite episodes for obvious reasons. Um, Josh is a Brazilian Jiu Jitsu black belt out of Buffalo. He lives about an hour away from me. And uh, one of the uh, co-founders of Red October Bait, Josh your, is probably uh, your, your, doppel, your doppelganger. <laughs> my my brother from another mother. Uh, we 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 were talking he and I for about an hour last night, and it was it's I don't know, man. I, it's it's almost weird. I almost don't even like talking about it anymore because every time we have a conversation, it's like we have to be relate. Like we have to be related. This is weird. This gets weirder and weirder every time we open our mouths. Um, but yeah, like uh, he, Josh, really nobody educated me on the Niagara more than he did, and uh, that 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 turned into conversions for me. He uh, and Brent both both had some really good points on how to fish the Niagara. I think the two of them are are, are you know we learned a lot from from those two. I mean, I just bring it up because while we're talking about Josh, we should we should pick on some of the points that Brent brought about the Niagara because he focused on that with us as well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, the the difference for me is that I've actually fished with Josh, and I, I really, really want to fish with Brent. And we, we talk a lot during the season, but man, we're we're so busy, and he's he's such a he's he's so busy too. It's it's just getting so hard to coordinate. And of course, I I spent the bulk of my time this year. I just winterized my boat, and uh, the guy who who does the, the the work for me was like like everything's still perfect. And I I told him, yeah, I probably did six outings in my boat because. Uh, I was fishing remotely uh, for the whole season, and uh, I didn't do a lot of fishing on the Niagara this year. But um, you know that doesn't mean Brent's information is any less uh, valuable. Uh, Josh's information, of course, especially where uh, jigging uh, tubes is concerned, uh, was a game changer for me. It, I, I'll, I'll never forget. We talk about positive musky attitude. That when when I got into a boat with Josh right away. Like this is, mind you, after a season, this two seasons ago, where I only got one fish all year in the Niagara. It was beautiful, but I only got one fish. And I remember he got on the boat, and right away he's like, "Oh, oh, that was a fish!" And oh, oh, because he's reading, he's reading the the feedback of the the dragged uh, yeah, bait on the bottom, right? Bottom, yeah. And, and I'm sitting there going, Are you, "Get the hell out of here!" Like, there's no way we've been out here half hour. There's no way he just contacted. I, he's just doing this. And then, like twenty minutes later, he had a fish. And I was just like, "Oh my god!" It was, it was demoralizing and exciting all at the same time. <laughs> but uh, what about Brent? What what about Brent grabbed you, Chris? Well, I think what, what I what I really learned from Brent is that you know when we you and I are tro- are trolling, we were kind of like a certain distance mm. from the shoreline, and Brent Brent's opinion or his uh, recommendation that we should be a f- much further out. If you remember that, and you were you were a bit taken back by that, you're like, uh, I think we were, I don't know if it was sixty to eighty feet from the shoreline, and he was he was like, uh, you know, a football field away, if not more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that did surprise me, but I think Brent gave uh, us one piece of information on that river that I think a lot of people who river fish can replicate, uh, and that was don't go laterally. Uh, your trolling pattern shouldn't be lateral uh, with adjacent to the shorelines if you're in such rapid current but rather traverse in the case of the niagara river the niagara river the upper niagara river is not very wide so he said you know traverse 
traverse the width and and do kind of a, a wavy pattern down. Yeah, that was like he was going perpendicular to the to the shore, yeah. and you and I were going yeah. parallel. So the the whole thing of how we trolled was just not in line with his recommendation, and I think you know that that's something that caught us. Yeah, and and it's terrible because you know you're going up current and it's things are great, and then then you turn and you go down current, and it's like. I can't get any action on my lure unless I'm going 10 kilometers an hour, you know? So, I mean, that was a game changer for me. I didn't catch any fish uh, trolling after that, but like I said, I didn't troll or even fish on the Niagara a lot this year, but uh, I did get out once or twice. And I remember thinking, man, this is way better. And I'm sure now that's just going to be a matter of time uh, th- before that method is going to put fish in the boat. It's just a matter of spending a little more time out in the Niagara. And, and I'm sure in the future that you and I are going to take advantage of that. He did also give us a little, little uh, breakdown on how to properly use a suic, which I think is uh, something that people can zero in on if they, if, you know, or, or if they're able to um, listen to the episode and, and just focus on that little bit. He broke down exactly how, because he's been using it for 30 years or 20 years or whatever. So he, he knows that 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 lure system inside and out, and he was talking about you know the intricacies of how you you know work the bait and, and the lip and all that stuff. So very uh, versatile bait, and he, he he swears by it. He swears by it, and the more I I, I listen about you know for Suix, um, the more really really great anglers are using them. The, Brent was talking about the really big one. I don't remember the name of it or what it's called, but it's the the, the big giant one that he was using this year. But um, I hear a lot of great anglers. I mean, this is no secret. It's a Suic, right? It's probably yeah, one of the best yeah, musky baits yeah. ever made. But you know what? You're right. I think uh, I, I think people really don't understand. Well, well I don't know. I, I mean, I think some anglers really don't understand how to use that bait. And the principle of dive and rise and, and diving into and backing out of something. Um, and if, I think if you don't understand that, it, it can be a frustrating bait to use because I know that I have one. And I remember using it before I knew what the heck it was and going, this thing sucks. Um, but it doesn't. I, I sucked. <laughs> it, uh, it's, it's one of the best lures you can use. One of the most consistent uh, producers, I think. Uh, and I think every muskie angler has to have one of those in his boat. And it's it's a it's a, it relaxes you a bit like you don't it's not as strenuous to throw chuck those double tens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well they're they're super light. The suics are super light bait, and uh, you know if you have musky gear and you're you're twitching it, then it's easy. It's one of the easier baits to use, of course. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, I mean uh, river fishing made a lot more easy a lot easier from. Uh, from our time spent talking with Brent and hopefully some time in the boat next uh, season with him. We should, we should also just touch on uh, for the listeners and, and actually go back to Marlon uh, this year and, and check in with him. But uh, we had a great discussion with Marlon Prince um, talking about the great work he's done with the local muskie fishing community there and uh, fighting the kind of the misinformation on muskies and trying to stop the culling and promoting a potential world class fishery. This is uh, uh, on the East Coast and uh, of Canada, and uh, I think uh, somewhere, Frank, we have to go to because it's going to just feel like a whole other world of musky fishing when we move out of Ontario to somewhere like that. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 there's no question we're going to get out there. It's just a question of, Chris, you and I lining up our schedules, which is extremely difficult these days, but it's not going to be like this forever, but... You know, Marlin's waiting for us. Another river fishery, just like we're talking about. And uh, I, I kind of, 
I kind of feel bad for Marlon, not not when I see the fish he puts in the boat because I'm jealous, but uh, they're fighting a battle out there and, uh, you know, educating people who don't really understand fisheries and how they work and are maybe aggravated with conditions that are not related to muskie, but they attribute them to muskie. I mean, that's got to be frustrating. And I know that that's a battle that they fight uh, on a daily basis out there. So wish those guys luck. Marlon is a great guy. He was a great guest and um, he's doing good things for, for muskie fishing out there. And if a you lot go, of people go to that episode, he, after that discussion, he goes into the uh, kind of breaking down the, the, the bodies of water and where you catch muskie and how you target them there. So there's a whole other uh, part of that discussion is just how you catch the muskies in that area. Hmm. Yeah. I, nothing excites me more than when experts go into targeting tactics for muskies on their waters. And I think that's, I think that's a big part of why people tune into the show. I think that's the secret sauce. So I'm always thankful when good fishermen and guides divulge those tactics because they're, they're worth their weight in gold. Okay. So, I mean, a lot of, a lot of other people we spoke to, where do you want to go next? Um, I, you know, I liked your conversation about when you brought up Josh, because the, the, him and Caleb are the two guys that necessarily, uh, you know, Josh does fish for muskie, Caleb, not as much, but we drew with them, uh, parallels of, of their, their pastimes or their other hobbies, like, like martial arts and hunting. And we drew those parallels with, with, uh, muskie, angling and and you can see the, the you know you can see the consistencies in, in these in these sports and 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 i thought that was really interesting especially with caleb i mean uh, for me i'm i'm you're just getting into the hunting i've been around it my whole life but you know in terms of lots of friends who do it but i've never chose to, to hunt yet but i learned a lot talking with him about you know just how all of the information that we factor in and, 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 you know, put into the equation for when we're trying to catch muskie, he's doing the same thing for hunting. And uh, there's a lot of parallels there that, that, that he, he brought up. Yeah. It's uh, you know, if, if, if it's analyzing atmospheric conditions and weather patterns or, you know, putting good stock on the animal, cause that's what we do, right? We, we, we stock muskie and, and I'm not sure if we, we mentioned it in the show or, or not, but, you know, you know, as well as I do. And, and again, getting back to, you know, there, there's a, we're so lucky in Ontario. We, we have these great fisheries within driving distance and we take advantage of them. We do, our crew does, the guys we fish with do, you and I do. But there's, I've said this before, there's something about taking the journey and going up north and being in a lodge where the entire group is focused only on one thing. And, uh, and so when you sit, at these awesome, you know, for example, Andy Myers Lodge, at, the, at these great, you know, communal tables where you're sitting with 10 people you don't know or five people you don't know. At first, you can be like, oh, I don't want to, you know, what's going on here? You know, I don't want to sit with this guy. I don't know him. <clears throat> and then f- five seconds later, you're like, this is the best thing ever because you're sharing tactics. Um, you know, when you talk about putting a stock on an animal, putting a stock on a muskie, be it's the same. And, uh, you know, you sit and communicate with these people in these lodges with these guides, you see these guides walking around, you pick their brain. Everybody knows, like, you know, if there's a big fish somewhere, they'll share it with you. And, and we're all stocking that fish. We're stock hunting that fish. And that's like such a cool dynamic, you know, um, there's, there's nothing wrong with fishing locally, maybe getting a hotel. And at the end of the day, having a drink and going to bed with your buddy and, and, you know, having a great day and smile on your face and all that stuff. But, there's something just completely different about being in the middle of nowhere 
with with 50 like-minded people at a lodge and you're just like everyone's just trying to produce and help each other and uh, i got off on a tangent there but i mean i mean it's they're all good points and then i I was just uh, like we were talking a bit there about the the kind of parallels and and i'm sure that happens in the hunting community as well right you go to these hunting lodges probably the same thing you're talking about the same things that we're doing when we're when we're musky angling and then mm-hmm. we, we were talking also to him about some of the strategies we use, whether it's uh, run and gun or sit and stay or whatever, all the, all the different things you, you can, uh, strategies you can approach. And he's doing the same thing for hunting. And, he, you know, I, I just I just thought that was interesting to learn to learn that, that, okay, well, yeah, actually, we do the same thing if we're trying to run down an animal or we're, we're sitting in a tree stand for three days and not moving. It's like uh, very similar. It is similar, and it's 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 funny for us to think about, but, like, think about the best anglers we've fished with. Um, you know, one of them said, you know, we're running and gunning the whole week, and the other one said we're going to sit and, and kick the crap out of some of these spots and see if they produce. So, I mean, what's the answer? Is it uh, they both work? Is it uh, dependent on the body of water? Is it dependent on the season? I have no idea. <laughs> nobody does no still trying to figure that one out so but yeah similar in that respect i watch a lot of hunting shows on tv there's a lot of camaraderie in the lodge and a lot of uh you know strategizing and stuff like that and you know anglers and hunters are some of the best people you're ever going to meet you know salt of the earth stewards of the environment you know these are really weird times we're in where you know Everyone's got an opinion about something. Everybody seems to be fighting about something. But, you know, when you just hike off into the woods and you're with hunters or anglers, you know, it's just good stories, good time, good people, smile, helping each other. Uh, I I think um, now more than ever, this is a a valued thing that we do and, and something of tremendous value that people should try to explore, if for no other reason than just to escape that electronic device turn that news channel off and just, you know, like this year, uh, to be honest with you, Chris, like I I had a lot of trips, as you know, but a a lot of these trips weren't planned. A lot of these trips were, I got to get the hell out of (laughs) here. Honestly, I need to get away from everything. Have that, that, that feeling in their head right now. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You got to do it because a lot of people have it, but they're not doing anything about it. And and it's so good that you do. And and I've done it myself too, but yeah, you just got to get out and and, and do exactly what you said. And uh, yeah, I'm really lucky. I have a great wife and uh, she understands, you know, what I do and what we're trying to do with this show and what we're trying to do with musky fishing. We have a greater goal and we have an obligation to our listeners to put good content out that they're going to enjoy and learn. And, um, you know, I, I literally got back from a trip this, this year and 10 days, 14 days later, I'm like, you're going to shoot me. But, and she just smiled and she, she nodded her head and I'm like, she knew like I needed to get out. I needed to get away. Don't want to see anything with an off with an on off switch. You know, I need to be on the water right now. I just need to. And I, I, I got up and I left, you know, <laughs> I came back several days later, but, um, it's it's therapy now for a lot of people. It was therapy for me this year, and um, it's great. It's 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 an amazing escape, and uh, so I don't know that that was important for me this year. Well, it's good. Yeah, it's good for the soul. And I think what one thing was great about Caleb is that he had the 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 incredible photography that he he um, is able to capture those moments where he's in the in in the wilderness and some of those incredible 
uh, um, um, images of the scenery and, and what he's doing. And that's just another level of, of capturing the, you know, that connection that you have when you're out in, in these areas. And, and, and we talked a bit about that in, in the episode with him and you're able to kind of like, to, you know, record that moment and look at back at it after and say to yourself, wow, that was like, I want to go back there. Like, you know, you see the scenery, you, you know, you know, that feeling when you're in that moment. And that was something great about, you know, landscape photography or doing what he did and just go to his website. Like we talked about in the episode, you're just blown away with the, the, the artistry and the, and the kind of the angles that he took and the detail of his photos. So that's just another level of when you're out there. And especially today, if you've got a lot of time on your hands, you know, you can take up photography or, or try to capture those moments when you're out in nature, you know, you're going to look back and be very happy you did. It's yeah, that's a great point. It's you're going to be happy you did. You, you know, Caleb, we're talking about Caleb and Vidiata. That was uh, three episodes ago, guys. It's uh, on our website and on your app. <clears throat> Excuse me, you can find it. But uh, if you go to the Hunt Journal, you'll see Caleb's adventures, and um, they're amazing. And I, I envy hunters in in one respect because a lot of their time is sitting and waiting. And, and us as anglers, sometimes it can be hard to photograph those great moments because we're always doing something with both of our hands. <clears throat> so um, in that respect, it can be hard, but you know, Chris, you and I always take the time out when we're in the boat to get some really good shots. You, you took a picture this week that is, I, I've never seen. I mean, it was such a beautiful picture of, of where you were at at the time. Uh, it blew me away. I showed my wife, blew her away. And uh, you know, capturing that right moment, you're going to, you're going to live that moment for the rest of your life. It, it was I didn't even know where you were, what the heck you were doing, man. But that you sent me that photo. I was just like, oh, my jaw dropped. It was the perfect photograph. So um, the perfect photograph can have quite an effect uh, in a lot of different ways. And uh, Caleb uh, showed us that. And, you know, you show us that through your photography. And uh, it's an important part, I think, of appreciating the outdoors that we all love. Yeah, I think personally, I just can never sit still. I have to be doing something. So taking pictures is just a pastime to avoid talking to people. <laughs> <laughs> I can totally relate to that for sure. Oh, I think yeah, a lot I of like take some photos. I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what? Too though, like you're a creator. Uh, you're an artist, and you're you're a person who do who you're a doer. You're a producer, and uh, I think a lot of our listeners are like that. I think the nature of musky fishing, you can't be an idle human. It's its hard yeah. to be an you idle can't lazy. Lazy. You can't make excuses. You can't be lazy or it just won't work for you. Um, you might get lucky, you know, and you're, you, 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 you um, have an example. Like a lot of people, if, if they were in your position where they caught a, what was it, like a 54-inch or 55-inch fish the first time they ever went musky fishing, I, I would imagine – you know, the second time they went out and the third time and the fourth time when nothing happens for 10 hours, they, they'd be like, this is the worst thing ever. I'm never doing it again. There'd be a large percentage of people that would do that because, you know, they would just say, oh, my God, I fish of a lifetime. I'm lucky. I don't need to put, put the effort in anymore. So it takes a special type of person or, or you know, a special uh, amount of willpower to continue to, to, to search for that fish again, knowing that, wait a minute, that was like chance of a lifetime i converted thankfully but I, it might take 10 years to get that again <laughs> and i'm going to work for it and i'm going to put the time and i'm going to put the effort in and you know it, you probably will get it again but um not a lot of people well, are willing to put that effort you nailed it it took me eight years to get another 50 inch class fish in the boat <laughs> that's exactly what it did it took a long time um and that first fish was 
Like it's ridiculous. That first fish was on a top water, on a top raider on a figure eight. Like I don't know that I'll ever replicate that again, right? I mean that that is such a, a, a I don't even want to say difficult thing to do. It's 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 unbelievably difficult, but it's such a rarity as as a musky angler to put those two combinations together. But personally, for me, I mean, I, we caught that fish. There was a lot of confusion about what the heck we we're gonna we were gonna do next. Um, there was a lot of fear in how I was going to handle that fish, uh, especially since the day before I had had a giant treble hook lodged into my wrist and had surgery up at Sioux Lookout from a temperamental 45-inch pike. Um, you know, then I, I hoisted the fish. We took the picture. We revived it. It swam off, and we had an adrenaline dump that was something I'd never experienced before, and when I got back and sort of took an appraisal of the day, I, I realized that the excitement, the fear, the adrenaline was all part of it. And mm-hmm. that, I mean, that lit, a, that lit a fuse in me that led us to this moment right now. So, I mean, there's there's no way I was ever going to be content with that moment. No way. Not a chance. You know? Well, I mean, you want to talk about, you know, the last episode we did, anything else? Like, uh, I'd love to get into Jim a little bit because yeah, let's uh, do it. I, I was I was so happy to talk with him. But we, we missed a few here, but, you know, we can't go over everything. Um, I think uh, what happened with Jim was a real special moment for us. Um, I know Jim's done other podcasts, other interviews. That's great. And, and you know, I, and, and I just, for us, I don't know why it just felt like it was a real highlight uh, of, of our podcast, uh, kind of, uh, experience so far. I mean, for me it was because he, he was such a class act and it was just so great talking to him and I was excited. And you probably, you know, probably heard that in the podcast, uh, having like a hundred questions for the guy, but mm-hmm. guys like that, just, uh, you know, they just want to help people. And, uh, I learned a lot from his podcast. Like usually I learn a lot from, every discussion we've had on this podcast, but that guy, um, every question you gave him, he had like a real, um, rational, logical answer that you're just like, yeah, that, that makes sense. And I got to do that. Or I I need to, I need to note that because that's going to help me catch fish. And really that's what this is all about, right? We're trying to help people catch fish. Hopefully there's some good discussion, you know, in doing so, but guys like that really just focus in on, Hey, this is what you need to do. And, and this is how I came to be where I am. But, um, you know, uh, his points and his tactics and his strategies and, and like just something simple, like you'd never think uh, a guy like him would be studying your social media posts. You know, like you'd never think that you'd never think a guy who's like the, the epic musky fisherman, the, the, the kind of quintessential uh, media musky guy that everybody knows about, even if you don't musky fish, you probably know about Jim Sarek. And this guy is is uh, you know studying your 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 photo that you posted with a muskie because he wants to you know target that area and he and he's thanking you and he he's, so I thought you know it's just little things like that were, were really interesting and it's a great it's a great two parter everybody needs to to, to listen to it um, yeah as a judging star, by our download numbers for that episode I think everybody did listen to it. Um, my favorite part was when he said he fights himself from sending people direct messages and and, and <laughs> reading them the riot act on some things that they're they're not doing uh, up to standard. Uh, that was that episode was full of surprises for me from the time he gave us to the wisdom and insight that he gave us to just how easy the conversation was to be honest. And um, 
I think, Chris, uh, to pat ourselves on the back really quickly here, I, I think it would have been – and we talked – you know, we've been talking about Jim Sarek, let's be honest, for, for three years, you know. I mean, Jim was always someone that we wanted to have on the show. But I, I really think we did the right thing in that, you know, we could have reached out to him in year one and said, hey, we, you know, can you come on the show? You know, he's, he's going to really make our show great. But, you know, I think we needed time as anglers to grow and learn and to be in a position to conduct that interview in a, in a, in a way that would ferret out all the great discussion that it did. And um, yeah, I I think we took our time and I think year three, I think the hundred thousandth download, I think it really all came together for us at that moment and allowed for honestly an amazing conversation. Everything from the, the talk about electronics Lure selection for beginners was one of my favorite uh, parts, but uh, I talked about my love for discussing tactics, and he really talked about, you know, planning what you how he plans to hit the water, and then how he dissects new water uh, when he gets on it. And to me, that was one of the most valuable pieces of information um, that we've ever put out on the show. Yeah, and so, you, really. You can find that in his in his, his his YouTube videos. I mean, obviously, this is just a conversation we had with him, but we touched on the fact that when he goes to those um, those spots in the show, uh, I've always watched uh, how he 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 approaches and just kind of takes five minutes on the camera to break down the water column and break down the, the the area, break down the structure, break down where he is, and and then that kind of dictates how he's going to uh, target that area. And I think, you know, people need to maybe spend a little time uh, when they go to their spot, if especially if it's a new spot, on how you, you know, you can just watch one of his shows and you can and, and listen to this podcast uh, with him and learn how he does that. Because it's, it's it, like I said, it's that rational kind of thinking that he's a scientist, right? And mm-hmm. breaks things down. And, and uh, when you listen to how he responds, you're like, yeah, that makes sense. And uh, that that's going to work. So. There's all sorts of those little uh, uh, points and tips in, in this discussion. And, yeah, the, the, the lures was a great discussion as well because we're all guilty of, you know, uh, packing too many lures and, and not understanding how to uh, kind of value engineer our lure box. So we just bring the essential stuff that, that's going to be functional and, and uh, effective. And then all this, you know, other crap that, you know, might work, but you don't really need it. We're all guilty of being there. So, uh, he's been through that and knows obviously how to focus uh, the lure choice. And, and uh, he, he touched on that. And I think, you know, that's another thing to go back and, and listen to. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I know I'm guilty of uh, over accumulating musky lures that I, like I said earlier, my, my buddy was here winterizing my boat and every year I pretty much go over to my lures and pull a couple off the shelf and hand them to him. Cause I know his son likes to fish and, and likes to target the odd musky and um, I, I'm, I'm looking at these lures going, man, like, I probably don't use 80% of my lures. And, in fact, the last trip I took at the end of the season, Chris, I took four lures and I used two. <laughs> there you go. There you so go. So I'm, I'm learning, getting better. Then we hear those stories of people who, who – people who tell us about people <laughs> that use, like, two lures or one lure for an entire season. And, and or a variation of two colors, and that is it for the entire season. So you know, you know, and and we both know that there's probably a hundred other lures that they could have used that probably would have caught fish. But it doesn't matter because this is where their mindset is. This is where their focus is, and that's what I liked about Jim. Also, is that like when you have those, which way do you go? 
uh, questions like, uh, do you adjust? Do you adjust on the water or you stick with your game plan? Do you change the color? And he, he's honest. He's like, you know, that's the never-ending question that, that you can't really answer. You just have to make a judgment there that you think is in the best interest, you know, or going to give you the best chances. But you, there's never a right or a wrong, right? Yeah, no doubt. Um, I tell you, I ran on a specific body of water this year from September to December. I ran the same lure, one lure, the same lure, and that's it. Really? Uh, so, yeah, and it produced. I it, it got bit like crazy, and that's one of the reasons why I kept it on. So, um, Are you going to post it? You know that? I'm sorry? <laughs> Are you going to post it? <laughs> I think I will. I'll certainly send. I'll, I'll certainly send you uh, some information. Uh, <laughs> but uh, suffice it to say, like confidence. I had so much confidence in this lure, the way it runs, it hunts for center, as Gord Pizer would say, and um, you know it got bit, and then it kept getting bit, and it's like I, I don't need to change this up. I'm not going to. So, um, you know, it, that's a process of spending a ton of time on the water, right? And, and patterns and seeing what, what works and, and sticking with what works. So, um, I think that's, that's me maturing as a musk angler and not taking four trays of baits on the boat and, and changing my baits every, every 20 minutes. I never was that guy changing baits every 20 minutes, but, um, now I'm really not that guy. So I'm going in the other direction. Who knows uh, if I'm doing it right? No idea. Uh, well, clearly this year you had a great year, so, it was effective. Now, if you do the same thing next year and you and you get like ten percent of the fish you got this year, then you know that you know. Well, what do you know? You know that it didn't work last year and didn't work this year. Yeah. That's all you really know. Uh, I, I tell you what, I do know that that's not going to happen. I I, I really think twenty twenty one is going to be a, a another banner year. I I we learned way too much this year and, and had we uh, we learned so many great fundamental things that are what make great anglers, great anglers. And I feel like I'm becoming a much, much better fisherman. So, I mean, if I fish on the Niagara every day, yeah, I'll probably hate 2021, but, uh, I'm not gonna, you know, uh, I'm going to fish all over the place and, and hopefully you and I will be, uh, up in Northwestern Ontario again, uh, at, at the tail end of the summer or whenever we choose to go. And, um, and nothing would make me happier. So we're going to try and make that happen again. I, I want to also bring up the biometrics app and, and I, I have never used it and I'm sure tons of people have, but I was really excited to, um, to put that on my phone and, and I'm excited to use it next year. Uh, if you remember the, the, the app that kind of does a lot of the calculating for you and, and gives you like a kind of a, a, a readout of, of sluggish or active or neutral fish based on the conditions, based on all of the stuff that we factor in as musky anglers on a daily basis, it kind of cuts that workout for you. And, uh, you know, lets you worry less about one, one or two or three things that you're probably worrying about by just looking at, at the app that calculates it for you. So I haven't used it yet, but maybe you have. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to try it out and see, you know, yeah. I'm always. I, I haven't I haven't used it. Um, I don't think I fished. I mean, we recorded that episode at, right at end of season. So um, I don't think I fished since then. But, you know. Uh, we we all use apps. I'm sure we do it for no other reason than to understand uh, peak times, majors, minors, and and uh, moon movement. Um, but you know we got to ride that wave. I mean, I talk about getting in the middle of nowhere or getting onto a boat with with to get away from the on off switch. 
Um, but you know what? Sometimes the on switch can be uh, <laughs> an invaluable tool, right? Our, our fish finders. But I did a, a thing on Instagram, Chris. Uh, I don't even know if you saw it, but I, I, I was bored one day and I said, you know, got any que- who's got some questions? And, you know, we got a bunch of questions from our, our listeners. It was awesome. And, and one guy said, you know, what's, what's the most important thing that's contributed to uh, t- fishing the boat for you? And, I mean, there's no question it's electronics. Like, it's not even close, you know learning how to use your electronics mm-hmm. and uh so the fish finder the the depth finders in you know instrumental and then these biometric apps that are really really cool and multifunctional i mean maybe that's where i draw the line for technology in the boat but i can't imagine i can't imagine fishing without it now so i mean it's it's a must it's an absolute must and you know what like guys like larry ramsell and, and some of the real veterans that we had and, and we asked a lot of people the same question over this year and last year. And that's like put in perspective, like the heyday, you know, is it the best time now or is it the best time 30 years ago? And and we expected a lot of them to say, you know, it was a great time 30 years ago because there was nobody on the water and we had all these fish and yada, yada. But the more we talk to these legends, we hear these stories about, you know, we couldn't control our boat because there was no, there was no trolling motor and, you know, we didn't know what the depths were. So we had to drop a string and, and mark, use markers and, you know, so uh, I'm really glad you brought that up because that that's something that that I was happy to hear. That basically, the you know, uh, the point was they all said that we're in the heyday right now. We're in the golden age right now. And Larry said that basically point blank. Um, and coming from a guy who's at the end of his fishing career to say that that's like that says a lot. And and I think Thorn Brothers, when we talked to them as well, uh, Kurt Hans yeah, talked about the technology coming out and how it's just making people better anglers. And then you you couple that with the environmental policies and and the in the con- conservation efforts and trying to do as much to protect the species, which was a big, I, ca- I guess, a big uh, change in in, in musky angling when conservation was basically at the forefront. Um, as you mentioned, 30, 40 years ago, these people weren't, you know, they were just, you know, musky were getting killed um, at will, and there was no restrictions and. So now we have this great combination of technology, knowledge, uh, experience. Uh, experienced anglers uh, educating uh, new new newcomers and in conservation efforts and protecting the fish species and so all all this com- is combining to give us just uh, and, and then don't forget we you know world class water is right at right at our doorstep it's just giving us uh, unbelievable uh, opportunities and don't forget modern times give us things like podcasts too i mean right i mean chris if if we weren't the makers of this podcast you and i would be listeners of this we are listeners i listen to this podcast all the time and it's not not because i think we're so great i don't it's because i think our guests are so great and and i think uh, i'm a perpetual student and that learning is never going to stop and you know i'm going back I'm going back to all these episodes and I'm always re-listening to, they're always on a mic. I'm going to cancel my serious subscription because it's always, I'm always going back to these lessons. And, you know, um, you know, if, if we're going to go to Lake St. Clair, we're going to go and listen to Mike Parker's episode from this year. And he's going to tell us, you know, when and how to use blades versus rubber and the colors that work on Lake St. Clair, you know, great nuggets of information. So um, technology and, and modernity is, is, has, like you say, has thrust us into the greatest time to be musky anglers. So, um, you know, we, we need some optimism and happiness right now, a lot of us. So let's, uh, let's, let's channel this, uh, and, and let's, let's get into a positive mind frame and start planning for 2021 and let's just get out on the water and 
let's enjoy the time. Let's enjoy 2021. It's not going to be a great year for a lot of people, but it's going to be a great year for a lot of us anglers. Yeah. So on that note, I think uh, listeners, please continue to uh, send us uh, recommendations. It's been uh, great for feedback for us. We've actually uh, uh, converted on on uh, many of the recommendations. Larry was one of them. Um, yep. So so continue to do that. And and if you've been listening to us on a regular basis, you'll see that we you know we go off the musky track every now and then with uh, bringing in a hunter or somebody who's not specifically. 100% musky angler because, you know, we brought in uh, uh, Le- LeBlanc for the scientific aspect of, of GP. Yep. Yeah, we talked about the VHS uh, 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 disease or virus that was affected. So anything that, that, that would interest you, you know, send it our way and, and we're willing to uh, review it and, and possibly uh, uh, set up a podcast uh, for that topic. But I think uh, we've got some great feedback, Frank, and it's great to hear listeners uh, giving us uh comments and being happy with what what we're putting out yeah i I know we're going to wrap up here in a second but just honestly like some of the most exciting and fun times i had doing this podcast this year were guys like caleb and guys like jp where we stepped out of our comfort zone and so um hopefully the audience enjoyed it as much as we did because i want to i want to experiment a lot more in 2021 i want to step outside of our comfort zone and and grow this podcast and and attract more listeners and um, put out more great content Uh, i'm also hoping chris that in 2021 we can release our ugly pike gators we almost did it in 2020 but when the coronavirus went haywire every single gator that uh, sims stocked was taken for people that wanted to use them as, as face masks, um, ironically enough. So um, I, I'm hoping to reconnect with them. I actually spoke with them yesterday. So I, I would really love to get a good product out uh, for our listeners and, and do an, an, an apparel drop. Uh, guys, we get so much email and stuff for apparel, but like we just don't do it anymore and, and we don't enjoy doing it. And, and we, we, we're going to do it sporadically because we want to make sure that Chris and I are doing the research and putting out good products and not just buying a crappy t-shirt and putting our logo on it. That's not what we're trying to do. So um, it's never been about that for us. So 2021, uh, hopefully we'll get some gators out. Uh, Hopefully, Chris, um, you and I will do a lot more fishing together. And um, I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm excited to see. I'm excited to see you and get into a boat with you again, because it's going to be a different ball game for us. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. And there's some, some, some uh, wild guests I threw out to you that, you know, let's see if, uh, if we can get them lined up. And uh, I think mm-hmm. listeners will be uh, really, really uh, impressed if, and excited if, if we uh, land these guests. So uh, lots to come and uh, happy new year to everybody. And let's, uh, as you said, keep the attitudes positive and get ready to discuss uh, more musky fishing on the next episode. Absolutely. Listeners, uh, thank you. And uh, stay in touch. We get a lot of messages. You guys want to uh, recommend somebody for the show you think might be interesting. I love getting that. I know Chris does too. So with that, we're signing out. And everybody, let's have a great 2021. See you on the water.